Yo, no, I'm 15 listeners. It's your boy, Seven Seas. And uh, this is a Thanksgiving special episode. We do it every year. And as every year in the past, it's my boy, the OG, joining me on this episode. So we're going to get into a couple of awesome flicks that we think you would enjoy on Thanksgiving with your family. And uh, yeah, here you go. Check it out. Do you see Wakanda Forever already? No. Oh, okay. No, me that's the way. <laughs> no, wait. I'm, I'm just kidding, bro. I'm just kidding. I, I know you got a lady friend now, so I didn't say that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, he's ah. probably got something going on. You know what I'm saying? Mira, mira, no. He's he's yeah. He's like, mira, mira, baby, she wants to go see you with this lady friend. Ir con la mujer, no sé, you know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah, I, mean, I think she does want to see it. Yeah, there you go, man. You see? Mm-hmm. I know, right? Uh, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something. Okay, I got this, and then I got this. I gotta have my notes, man. So you know. No. Let me bring in the crowd real quick. Oh. We back. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know we had guests. I'm so sorry. Gobble, 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 gobble. I should have put a gobble like on a damn soundboard. I'm I'm terrible, bro. No, you're you know? good, man. You're good. Es que ya le mataste. You already killed him. That's why. How, how can yeah, it be here? Yeah. It's Thanksgiving, it's, you know? It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Thanksgiving tradition episode. You know what I mean? Like, real, it's, yeah. We ain't got yo, no Beyond Meat here. It's all <laughs> legit. All it's legit. real shit. It's real. Uh, welcome to No 15 Allcast. It's your boy, Seven Seas. And today is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. It's that time of the year yeah. to overstuff or, ourselves. What is it? No. Thanksgiving Eve. We'll say it's Thanksgiving Eve. It's probably the day before Thanksgiving. Boom. Ah, that's, right. so. that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. close enough. Whenever you're listening to us, you know. They're still um, eating. They're probably still pouring the gravy on like, you know, whatever they're eating. It doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. Or they're getting the gravy ready for the next day and they're like yeah. stuffing the turkey and all, all that shit that goes into, mm. you know, meals and stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. We got the man himself, the OG. Uh, it's a tradition, you know, so he's on the show with us. That's right. Glad to be back after. I mean, I, you know, I've been on the past episodes, but it's always fun yeah. holiday episodes. So I'm, I'm excited to be here for sure. Yeah, man. Definitely always happy to have you on and glad you're back, especially for these episodes coming up uh, next couple of weeks, I guess you could say, and holidays and stuff. So Absolutely. it's going to be great. And yeah, we're doing a couple of films, uh, you know, suggestions for people to check out on Thanksgiving. You know, That's with right. their family and stuff. Might not be strictly Thanksgiving films, but you know, some of them mm-hmm. uh deal more with the holiday than others. But uh I think yeah. I think there are a couple good choices. We got Scent of a Woman and The Great Outdoors. Cause we kinda do a John Candy thing for Thanksgiving, right? So That's right. I think that's what we decided. You were like, hey, let's just keep that theme going. And I like it. Yeah. I like the John Candy theme. You know, it seems like he'll be appearing in the future holiday episodes. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. So yeah. That's nice, good. man. I have a question oh. about this because you know, yeah, you know the the whole approach of looking up a Thanksgiving film for me is googling, and then being like, let me look at this list, and then let me pick to see what what uh, what movie I'm gonna pick. So how did how did you come across this? Like how did how did you come across your list or your selection? Like what did you do? Uh, part of it is that part of it is trying to see stuff that is either straight up a thanksgiving movie or takes place during thanksgiving or 
might have a Thanksgiving like moment in it, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Okay. And then, then another part of it is just movies that feel like they can take place around that time, like the fall time, like getting close to the holidays, mm. getting could be close to Thanksgiving and then you get yeah. the vibe, you know? So it's yeah. kind of like that, that can kind of fit into that vibe because I feel okay. like it also kind of works. Nice. nice. Yeah. Cause I shared my list of like some movies and then one that appeared on a list that I'd never seen before, but I, I like that they pushed it on there was when Harry met Sally with Billy Chris yeah. and Meg Ryan. I mean, you got to admit that before Tom Hanks came into the picture with Meg Ryan, there was Billy Crystal. And this is perhaps yeah. one of my favorite, probably my most favorite like romantic comedy of like of all time for me. Um, so I was it was interesting that it was on someone's list because it does span during like the fall because like I think mm-hmm. I don't know. What, yeah, they're about to start school or something like that. And and then it goes into like by the end of the film, I think you're around like New Year's Eve, like you're counting down New Year's Eve. But I just love the fact that they put it in there because you know it is New York, it is fall at times, and so it was it was interesting. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to consider that next time. I'll watch it again and see where the fall elements are. So, but uh, if you haven't seen When Harry Met Sally, man, do yourself a favor, check that out. Yeah, man, uh, that's I'm I was like almost considering that too for this year. That. And yeah, uh, there you go. So something something definitely yeah you should definitely check that out if you haven't. Uh, never can go wrong with the Billy Crystal movie. Yeah, I feel like he. It's always solid. And then Meg Ryan's great too. So oh absolutely. Yeah. Nice man. So start? yeah, what are we gonna do? Come on. How are we gonna uh, we gotta do the Spanish? Are we gonna do Spanish? Hey, bienvenidos a los uh the Spanglish, whoa. the Spanish listeners, también, you know, just gotta just throw it out there just in case, you know. Yeah. Para toda mi gente que están escuchando en otro país. Look at that, yeah, look at that. That's that's that. for y'all. Yeah, man. I, I'm just gonna say, Ooh, uh, let's go with the uh, uh, Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Let's kick All it right. off with scent, scent of a Woman, man. Scent of a Woman, 1992. All right, yeah. The year, yeah, you said 1992. Two. Yeah, 1992. Look at that. Obviously, the biggest takeaway from this, most people will probably remember Al Pacino, Chris O'Donnell. I think it was directed by was it Martin Brest? Martin Brest, yeah, it's Martin Brest. Those are like the main. Those are the two main stars. I think of the movie. You obviously have, you know, other su- supporting actors that come into play mm-hmm. that you've probably seen in a ton of other stuff. Like James Rebhorn's a great character actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. Bradley Whitford, you know, he's one of our in one of our you know basically namesake movies, Revenge of the Nerds too. Nerds uh, in Paradise. He was like right. the main main villain, that's and right. he plays the he plays the asshole the asshole nephew. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's no, not that's... the asshole nephew, but he's just obviously been jaded by Frank. So. Yeah, it's a solid flick, man. I saw this when I was a younger, you know, way way younger, probably, yeah. man, probably like 15 or something. The first time I saw it, 15 or 16, and I mean, even then, I I just remember thinking this is like. This is a really good movie, mm-hmm. even though I was a kid, and I probably didn't take away a lot from it as opposed to now as an adult and, and the things that I noticed. But I just remember thinking it was a really solid movie. So, okay, know, okay, never never correlated it too much to Thanksgiving until you realize when it's actually taking place. You know, uh, that week of Thanksgiving. So, That's um, right. yeah, what what do you think, man? Um, well, yeah, like quick, really quick, like going back to the director, like if, if anyone mm-hmm. recognizes the name, uh, the guy's known for 
Midnight Run, which he did in mm-hmm. 1988. And then he also did Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. You know, I mean, hey, that's a classic, man. I love Beverly Hills yeah. Cop. It's a great movie. And then he also did one of my other favorite like uh, films with uh, a nice leading co-star and a beautiful Claire Forlani, uh, Meet Joe Black. Ooh. Meet Joe Black. Bro, I love that movie. The movie's long. But you that do? Movie, I that love movie it. is long, man. Yeah. Okay. Wait, hold on. We got to figure out this real quick because okay. you just said that movie's long. <laughs> now I need to yes. figure out how long is it because then we need to bring something up. We might have to just quickly jump off track here really quick. It's. I wish I knew how long this movie was because if it's, if it's anything over between uh, two hours and 30 minutes and two hours and 47 minutes, y'all can't say none because like, like, what is it? The new Wakanda Forever is like two hours. And like and 40, 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seven minutes less than the latest Batman film. Just point that out. Uh, you're talking <laughs> about me, Joe Black? <laughs> me, Joe Black's well, like uh, two minutes under three hours. So it's like two hours and 58 uh, minutes. See, it even it even beats the Batman. Uh, okay. Okay. But for the kind of movie it was, it was a little long. But sure, uh, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then he also okay. did make uh, Geely. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. That was like the. Yeah, the death nail. They're like, no more, buddy. He, he was probably like, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was surprised when I found that out. So, but mm-hmm. uh, it seems to stick around the theme of you know some drama in there, especially with like yep. me, Joe Black. There's some comedy elements in this movie for like a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and for those that like don't really know what this, if they've never seen this movie, because here's the thing: I told you, like, I've never seen this movie. Like, I've heard about it. This is my mm-hmm. first time seeing it. You know, and so uh, I feel like that's like kind of my motto. Like, no, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Uh, but yeah, but Chris O'Donnell plays this young kid. He's in a prep school and he needs money, basically. Like he needs, he's looking for a job, finds his job. And he ends up having to pretty much babysit the blind, a blind man who happens to be Al Pacino. And uh, the surprising thing, the surprising turn happens when Al Pacino's like, well, we're leaving. We're going to leave the suburbs and we're going to go to the New York City. And this kid is kind of going through his own little situation back at school. And then uh, he does, he's hesitant to go, but he ends up going with them because, you know, Al Pacino's black, uh, blind. And um, and so he needs an aide. And so Chris O'Donnell is that person. So the young man feels obligated to fulfill his responsibility because he said he would take the job. And so he accompanies. And he needs uh, the money. Yeah. He needs the money. Yeah. However, <laughs> yeah. However, like I said, uh, the young man, Chris O'Donnell. And then um, and then, of course, we find out that um, Al Pacino's character, Frank, you know, he has a problem as well. So you begin to see their relationship kind of develop and see if they can help each other. So but uh, yeah, you know. I, I was like, I saw a bit of this movie just to get into like what I think about this film. Um, and I told you, I was like, ah, I don't know, man. It's all right. Yeah. I saw me like a half hour, the first half hour. And then I was like, I don't know, man. These like one liners from Al Pacino. And I get it. They want to make them sound poetic. It just doesn't sound, doesn't seem real to me. And then I went all the way through and I was like, okay, okay. Obviously the the climax of the film, the very end of the film, um, well, near the end of the film where he you know defends um, Chris O'Donnell's character. Uh, Charlie uh, is great, obviously. But then I started like going back to some of the scenes and I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of subtleties in this film that I feel like I missed. And they they add to like, I'll just say like the redeeming story or the de- redeeming mm-hmm. factor for Frank's character. So, yeah, man, I'd have to say that probably the first time going through this, I was like, eh, maybe I wouldn't watch this. And then after like going back to the scenes again, specific scenes, I said, OK, you know what? There's actually some some good takeaways here. And uh, you really lie. I think I, you realize that Charlie is and enters as a pretty strong character already. Um, maybe doesn't know a lot, 
but he's a strong character in my opinion. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think we, I think going back the the you see that initially, but it didn't hit me until you kind of get more information from him regarding the fact that he does have a stepfather and stuff like that. So he does call his stepfather an asshole. So you begin to think like mm-hmm. maybe just maybe he got a little bit of uh, some thick skin in order to handle Frank because Frank Frank has an attitude problem. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, that's a great like you know summarizing like the film and stuff and. It's almost like, without getting into like a lot of the stuff I got, like I think it's almost when you think about it, he's like Frank's good angel, like on his shoulder, almost like his conscience, like you know. Yeah. And 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 he's a kid though, so Frank's just like, what do you know, really? Yeah, yeah, you know. And it's a very interesting story, man. Um, there's a lot of redemption uh, qualities in it, and there's a lot of other questions there like like you said like the stepfather like why wouldn't you want to be with your family on thanksgiving you know kind of thing it's because you know you don't get along with someone in your family and that's like really i'm sure there's you know tons of families out there that got somebody in their family or something going on where it's you know either awkward or you know makes it more of a trying time that you know whenever families get together for the holidays and stuff so oh yeah no it's definitely a relatable factor and they put that in the film so you know like for me, right off the jump, like watching it again, the things that stuck with me are like the snotty kids at the Bears school, like the super entitled yeah. kids. And then Charlie having to work hard and also ultimately having, you know, more integrity than the people he thought were his friends uh, at that place. So mm-hmm. the Baird school, the Baird school yeah, yeah. and all these, you know, kind of kids just talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to go to the Sweden and mm-hmm. we're going to go skiing and do all this stuff. And, you know, a couple of G's and, you know. It's one because like, yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to my dad and okay. And yeah. Charlie's just like, Yeah, I'm not going to that shit. You know, y'all the money the type of money y'all talking about, no, I'm not even there. I'm here on a scholarship. Yeah. 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 No, Charlie's definitely he he doesn't fit in, in in this type of environment because his schoolmates, because he he doesn't really consider them friends, he just considers them like guys that he knows and stuff. Um, these schoolmates, I mean, they they come from a, a wealthy background. And so they have mm-hmm. their fathers have connections, their family have connections and Charlie comes from uh, a town in Oregon um, with a stepfather and a mother who own a convenience store. And he's there like, hey, I'm on a scholarship, you know, and he's looking for a job and he, he's sacrificing. Yeah, we don't really know if he's not going because I mean, he says he's going to go for, think, for, for Christmas. For Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's saving money to go to get plane airfare to get uh, to, to make sure he visits for, for Christmas. So maybe that's why he sacrifices, obviously, to. Uh, Thanksgiving, but but yeah, he's just not on the same uh, playing field as, the, as these other guys because these guys are thinking like we're gonna go skiing, we're gonna be like talking to girls, we're gonna be having fun, and then uh, part of that group is uh, a young Philip Seymour Hoffman man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. That was like Which his I first think, role. Yeah, it was like, like breakout break. role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see a young Chris O'Donnell, and you see a young Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, so yeah, who's the um, who's the who's Mr. Trask, he's the guy who's uh James Rebhorn. What what else has he been in? I, I was like uh, trying to figure out. I always remember him. He like he stands out to me from Independence Day. He was like the Secretary of Defense that wanted uh, to nuke him like right away. So right, okay, 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 yeah. Oh, he was also yeah. in the uh, the talented Mr. Ripley. Okay, Dude. yeah, he, he's been in quite a few things. I think he was also in Meet the Parents. Like he was one of the family <laughs> members, like giving Greg a hard time. So he always does, you know, interesting yeah. character work. Uh, yeah, and 
the reason why I bring him up is because we have to we have to mention the fact that the Jaguar. You know, he, yeah, the Jaguar story. Yeah, well, because uh. like that's what Char- that's you know you know Charlie is is doing this job for Al Pacino's character Frank, but he's experiencing this, this emotional dilemma because um, he saw something happen to Mr. Trask's Jaguar, and he Mr. Trask pretty much brings him and then Philip Seymour Hoffman's character pretty much saying like. Hey, you guys need to tell me what happened. You you guys know something, but you're not saying anything. And so Mr. Trask pretty much tries to get some information from Charlie in which he says, like, look, if you help me, I'm going to help you. I can help you get into Harvard. And which is pretty crappy because he's obviously he knows he knows Charlie's situation. He knows that he doesn't have the means to get to Harvard with like because of the financial situations he's in. So he's pretty much saying like, hey, you help me and I'll help you. Um, and so he's pretty much asking Charlie to like sell out his his classmates. And so he's like struggling with that throughout the whole movie. And Frank gives him some, you know, some perspective and even gets frustrated um, with Charlie since he's like kind of processing that. So mm-hmm. to me, that's like, that's something that I feel like it keeps the school, na- like he's connected to the school all the time because he's connected to the situation. The school never, in a sense, leaves Charlie's mental capacity uh, because we, you know, he's he's dealing with that stuff. So it's interesting that he's struggling with that and he's struggling with Frank. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Frank mentions it like he's like, I feel that heavy feeling again, Charlie. Like, what's going on? <laughs> what are you thinking about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. If, if there's so. one thing about Frank, he definitely has like a spidey sense because I feel like he. Yeah. Every time, like, Charlie, like, makes a step, he's like, oh, you know, hey, you know, step back, take it easy, you know, what are you doing? Or, like you said, when he when he says, hey, I have a, I feel a heavy feeling again, he pretty much is calling out Charlie saying, like, hey, there's something on your mind, you're too quiet, you know, what? Mm-hmm. So something's on your mind, go ahead and spill, spill the beans. But, yeah, Frank does have, like, this sixth sense about him. Like, he he's really yeah. aware of his environment due to the fact that he's blind and he's had to adjust. Right. And that's what that's something they say about the blind. You know, they say the other senses get heightened. Right. So, yeah, I would imagine that's what he was picking up on. And Charlie, like right away, you just get the feeling like he wants to kind of fit in. But at the same time, he knows it's not for him. It's weird Mm -hmm. uh, when you when you kind of reflect and think about the film. And, you know, even the moment when the prank takes place. Yeah. And the the teachers out there uh, that ends up, you know, seeing that they were there and they might know who did this. And mm-hmm. his answer is different than Philip Seymour Hoffman's answer is. He's like, oh, I, I don't know. He just doesn't say anything at all. He doesn't right. want to, like, embellish or lie. He just, you know, simply answers he doesn't know. Yeah. Kind of sticks to that throughout the whole time. And that's one of my questions for you with the prank in particular. Yeah. What do you think it was that fell on the Jaguar? Do you think it was milk? Do you think it was paint? Um, it looked it was white. Yeah, but the way that it fell, I feel like it was paint because it just seemed Ugh. like very thick. Like mm-hmm. unless you have whole milk, but I still feel like even milk would you would still kind of see this translucency through it. You know, it was very mm-hmm. opaque, and so I thought it was like white paint. You know, let's hope it was a little white paint. <laughs> And that's what that's what another thing that kind of bugs me. Like Mr. Trask was already kind of getting hazed by the guys that did it yeah. before it took place. Like you don't think he could have put two and two together and knew right away who did this. Instead, yeah. he wanted to put you know, people's feet to the fire. Well, I mean, I think someone who is in a place of power 
doesn't mind flexing that power. And we see that in the hearing because the hearing is 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 like uh, it's on a stage in an auditorium for the whole man. school. Yeah. This is an all men's all boys like prep school. Um, mm-hmm. And so like you I feel like it's kind of like survival of the fittest in here. Like all the men are in the one room and they're all trying to like, you know, like one up each other. And then you have these this man, Mr. Trask, who's like, I, you know, who speaks very eloquently. He knows how to talk. He knows what he's doing. And he's trying to, you know, get some information because he wants to put these, he wants to make an example out of these kids, you mm-hmm. know, he's trying to flex his power, you know, but yeah, that, that's, that, that's a really, that's a really fun, that's a fun scene just because of Al Pacino, but um, also very like convicting in my opinion, but yeah. 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 I was, I was going to ask you, what do you think about Frank in general? Uh, Frank is, I think he is someone that needed Charlie to change his life. Like he is obviously gone through some kind of traumatic stress already from when you hear the story of how he went blind and you know he's just drinking man he's an alcoholic he's just drinking the whole time you know the whole time he's asking for drinks and it's john because he knows him you know by first name they know each other so well it's not jack daniels it's john (laughs) daniels yeah yeah and he's just you know turned to that to kind of deal with his situation and if you listen to some of the other characters that come into, you know, contact with Frank or have relationships with Frank, they explain how much of an asshole he was before this happened mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And, and one part you feel bad, but at the other part, you feel like this person, even if they are the way they are, they kind of know what they want from the world. So they kind of know how to navigate it in the way they, uh, that Frank does, uh, which is pretty direct. And there is a little nuance in the way he approaches people, you know, throughout the film. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he he is direct with everything. You oh, know, yeah. There's not much of a filter in him uh, when right. it comes to what, what, what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> and even Charlie makes makes mention to the fact when he's like, man, you just have a one track mind, don't you, Frank? You know, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. that's one part I was like, I wish Scott would have been like just to say like, what he thought of Frank, because Frank says, you could say he, he, on the plane, I think he says pussy. Like, you know, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, like you could say yeah. it would be pussy. Right. And yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah Frank um, knows what he wants. And when you see where this is leading throughout the movie, the things that take place, you also start to think if you didn't know, and this was the first time you saw this movie, you're like, man, Frank has money. Like, where does he get this money from? Right. Mm-hmm. And he does say like, you know, it's money that I've, piled up over time from his disability and stuff like that yeah um yeah but you wonder you're like man you're staying at the waldorf storia you're eating at these very fine dining uh, establishments yeah and you're not eating you know doing anything cheap you got a limo uh you got all this stuff going on and it's like yeah. it's pretty interesting to see yeah no i agree i agree um he's very unapologetic frank is very unapologetic like you said it's very blunt but he's also like you said when he interacts with people he's very charming um Mm. and he loves his alcohol um and then you know the occasional cigar and he loves women like there's yeah you're right there's a scene on the plane where he's describing uh, a woman you know and he's he's blind but he the way that he has interacted with a woman blind he's describing like different areas of her you know of her body and so forth Mm -hmm. that he appreciates and so like he's almost enamored like captivated by it um and that's something that you you see throughout the film you know 
and then he talks about uh i mean he actually part of his adventure in new york is to like uh get la creme de la creme escort you know he wants like the best <laughs> yeah. escort you know and they don't show anything but he comes back as if like he's had a new experience in his life uh and, and all he says is man what a beautiful woman but he comes back as if he's like completely changed uh to mm -hmm. some degree you know um but yeah i mean going back to like his his emotions and stuff he is a sad uh you don't see that too much early on but he is an angry person and you do see mm -hmm. that with the first interaction between him and charlie uh when charlie goes in the house for the first time i mean i think the best way i can describe that is like he's really testing charlie in my opinion uh, yeah yeah what do you think i don't know would you do you have any thoughts on that scene yeah, he's he kind of is very belittling to Charlie at that moment. Yeah, you know what did you come? What did you come here for? What are you doing here? What? Why do you want to be here? You know, and yeah. he's very dismissive of him. To yeah. be honest, he also feels like not not only is this a kid, what are they going to be able to do for me? But why do they feel like they need to have someone with me? You know, uh, it's yeah. kind of like a. That's that's kind of like the feeling I get from it when they interact. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if he, because I think what's something we have to tell the listeners too is, at one point, I know we're skipping forward. We'll come back to like their first interaction and and, and what I think about that. But at this point, the point I'm bringing up is Frank and Charlie at this like restaurant, and Charlie's like completely amazed at the fact that he's he if he wants a hamburger, it's gonna cost him like twenty five bucks. Right. And so you know he starts to get into like, why are we here? And then, you know, hey, maybe a little bit of a trigger warning for some people. But like Frank pretty much says like, hey, this is a journey of like pleasure, you know, the pleasures. And so we see why that he's 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 staying in a real nice place at a hotel. Uh, he's looking into escorts. He's going to fine dining. But then he surprises Charlie by saying like, and then I'm going to kill myself pretty much. Yeah. Um, so Frank has a plan and we don't know exactly at this point in the film why he feels this way which is revealed later on but um so yeah so he's you know that anger is explained in that point but at the beginning when we go back to the interaction between charlie and and um and frank yeah frank is very dismissive i mean he's testing him in my opinion to the point where he even calls him a moron because charlie's like stumbling over his words uh but interesting enough charlie doesn't really get phased by it you know what mm -hmm. i mean like he doesn't become defensive he doesn't become, he doesn't try to defend himself too much. You know, he just kind of either he doesn't respond or he just moves on. And that's something I missed initially. Um, and so that's what made me think like um, that Charlie's interaction with his stepfather, which he said is an asshole, mm. <laughs> makes me think that he had already hard skin uh, walking into Frank's space because mm. he probably or his father is probably a little bit like Frank. And so he's just kind of like, well, you know um because he's true. he's because he's insightful to to frank yeah. you know um that's true so yeah you don't so think about I, that unless like especially if unless you go back yeah you really don't think about that but that's very true yeah he's also the, very like you know i don't need this you know i i don't think i'm the right guy he goes back inside the house you know afterwards. right yeah yeah, yeah exactly so. like he's like the best way i can describe charlie is he's soft-spoken it's it's young Chris, Crystal Donald, and that's the other thing too. It's really interesting. I mean, this is a very young Chris, Crystal Donald, but he's not—he's not the super masculine like Crystal Donald like later in his years. Um, but he's—he's he's not that confident. He's confident, mm -hmm. but he's not that confident. 
and he's but he's definitely putting in the effort to to do the best he can he's obviously there to do a job and he wants to fulfill that obligation um but he's and also what i think what you see throughout the film is he's willing to learn from frank you know yeah. i feel like i mean i don't know if you know like maybe you have some you know some family members or some nephews or whatever or nieces you try to tell them they're like i know i know mm -hmm. i know but charlie never says i know he's like hey all right, what do you think I should do? Or what do you think about this? And he's very willing to learn. And, and also we see that he's very courageous too. I think he's courageous just by uh, sticking with Frank. Uh, yeah. That's actually one of my, my things that I have is Charlie ultimately learning the truths of the world through Frank. And Frank ultimately stands up for Charlie to reaffirm those truths or will yeah. make the movie special. Because it's kind of like he's learning all these things and aside from the fact that Frank is blind, but just the way that you deal with people, like you said, the charm that Frank uses to kind of hide some of the brash and some of the bluntness uh, is yeah. effective. So he's learning these things, you know, and he's yeah. a young kid. So, yeah. And at the same time, like you said, Frank is learning from Charlie that even though he's gone through some traumatic experiences and, you know, things are difficult, there's still a lot to live for you know mm -hmm. in, a, in a way like that's kind of what he's learning from charlie because charlie's younger and he's seeing the stuff that charlie's going through so it's kind of like almost reinvigorating in a way well absolutely. Give him something for so yeah 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 and we see frank uh, i think one of the stops that frank makes is uh he wants to visit his brother do you want to talk about the dinner mm -hmm. scene that's yeah, a thanksgiving mean, yeah. yeah yeah that he like shows up unexpectedly to the house and um I think the first person that he meets is the nephew, right? The is nephew. The, yeah. <laughs> who later on, like, really disrespects him and, and yes. Charlie. But, yeah, so, you know, after the introduction is done, you, it cuts later to where Frank is telling the story. And he's talking about a woman. Or he's talking about, like, this uh, moment where he like, has two women together and he's telling the story. And, and you know, you, it, it seems like people have kind of already listened to this stuff. You can tell people are not really uh, captivated. They're just kind of letting them mm -hmm. talk and so forth. But the young nephew, um, what's his name? I think in the, in the uh, is it Randy? Oh, Randy, my bad. Yeah, yeah his name's Randy. Randy. Yeah, and he pretty much just, he's kind of had it with Frank. And he kind of calls him out because Charlie's new to the table. And and Randy pretty much gives a history as to how, like, how Frank became mm -hmm. blind. And and in that, Randy, this, you know, Frank's, you know, smart aleck mouth nephew, uh, calls Charlie Chucky twice. Yeah. And, uh, and the first time, uh, you know, he says it, uh, Frank is like, listen, my friend's name is Charlie, you know, don't. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he says it. He, I don't know if you hear it, but he says that's a warning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then later on, you know, he um, finally uh, Randy says Chucky again. And then, you know, uh, Al Pacino pretty much stands up, puts this man against the corn against the wall and like threatens his life a little bit. So He's choking um, him. Yeah. 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 He pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very insightful for the story that you get to why uh, Frank is the way he is in a way. Because mm -hmm. he was, I mean, he's obviously a military man. He trained soldiers. Uh, he would do some, it seems like, engagements on the public side of that for the military because he's a lieutenant colonel, right? And mm -hmm. he always talks about the fact he was serving under Lyndon Johnson and you know, the performance that led to him going blind, you know, with the grenades and stuff. Yeah. That's 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 crazy, man, because it, it just seems like it gives you a picture of someone who dedicated their life to that and how 
from the outside, like the nephew, you know, they they don't understand. Like and most people probably wouldn't understand that life, you know, yeah. like you're so ingrained in it and how far you would go for it, which is what he pretty much was doing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's it gives way, way deeper uh, development into the character. Mm-hmm. And you even see the kind of moments that Al Pacino's character is just kind of sitting there taking it in kind of remembering what happened so it's kind of like oh great you know bringing this trauma back and even the brother was like hey stop it cut it out randy like trying to tell him to stop you know yeah because yeah he's going too far and that shit happens man that's like this is a thanksgiving episode and sometimes that shit happens with family bro it does yeah you know family gets into each other sometimes and family (laughs) sometimes goes too far and that's how it is sometimes with siblings yeah. Uh, you know, aunts, uncles, you never know who it is, man. Um, Jeez. And that, and that's that's it's captured in that film really well. Honestly, like yeah. that's part of that's part of it, you know. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a dope scene and, and it's definitely a Thanksgiving scene uh, for sure, because, you know, everyone's around the table. They're they're eating dinner. And yeah, that's kind of what it's about, you know, being close with family. And sometimes uh, the bad shit comes out. <laughs> what happened so yeah no it was some really yeah i mean you can tell everyone's kind of telling randy like to calm down but randy's kind of like had enough of you know uh frank's demeanor his his his, his way mm-hmm. of being of the way he talks and kind of like like i think even randy before before they sit down he's like uh randy's like what are you gonna do you're gonna take like the the head of the table like last time you know kind of like saying yeah. like you want to be like the center of attention type of thing you know so um do you remember what uh what Frank said to his brother before he left? Like after after he let go of Randy? Yeah, he like, said um when he was leaving he said I I'm I'm, I'm bad, right? He's like I am always been bad or something like that. Yeah. Something like, to that effect. No, right? Yeah, something like yeah, like I'm no, I'm no good. good. Yeah. Yeah, no good. He goes never have or something like that. And yeah. so you realize that you know he's carrying not the healthiest perspective about himself. Um you know, and and it seems like it's not I mean, it, it's interesting that he goes, he said he, he always has felt that way or, you know, he says, hey, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not good or I never have been. And I mean, it's a very general thing to say about yourself. Um, and so you begin to think like, uh, just as Randy said, like he was an asshole before he was blind. So and then he becomes blind. So obviously that's another layer of difficulty that Frank is going through and it's causing a lot of emotional distress. Um, so, yeah, but uh yeah, you obviously once that once that came through, I'm like, oh, this guy's carrying like some yeah. some stuff with him. You know, it's not like it's not just because he's blind, but there's like some other stuff that he's carrying um, yeah. with him. So, yeah, you kind of see it get more insight as to like why Frank is upset and angry and not so yeah, nice. That's, to what everybody. I, <laughs> that's what I think, too. I think like that's one of the reasons you see he didn't want to live anymore, because it was evident even more after Thanksgiving dinner that, you know, he it just made it much worse. You know, he kind of felt it even more after that dinner. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and I think after that, he's kind of down in the dumps, right? Isn't that when he's like eh, in the bed and he doesn't want to do anything. Yeah. He didn't wake up. Like he woke up like really late the next day. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was, it was right after that or, Cause I know it's in, it's right before, I mean, he's all like, he doesn't want to get out of bed right before the, uh, the Ferrari scene. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was yeah, going try- to. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what exactly what happened right before he, um, 
before he got all like down and out and everything. So um, I can't remember exactly the the sequence, but yeah. What do you think of that Ferrari scene? So yeah, that's that's why I was like, I think the blind driving is hilarious. But <laughs> I can't say nothing else. But that's that, hilarious. That's so funny that you say that because like I, my first thought was like, this is probably the most ridiculous scene out of this entire film. <laughs> <laughs> like this dude's just gunning it like in the ghetto too, because there's like no one there, you know. There's no like one it's, there. It's, yeah, it seems like a dead part of town. Um, and they're in New York, so it's kind of crazy. Like. Yeah, just gunning it, and then he gets pulled over, right? Yeah, he gets pulled over, and then he pretty much just tries to kind of be his charming self towards police officer, you know. And police officer like saying, like, "Look, just take it back to the dealer, and then you know you can get off with a warning." But yeah, I think I think the craziest part about that whole scene is, um, you know, you begin to think. I think that to me there was it was it was ridiculous, but there was some tension there because you begin to think like, well, if we already know that Frank is planning to end his life. Is he going to do it in the car, you know, mm. but he's not, he wouldn't take Charlie with him. You know what I mean? But right. there is this tension of thinking like, cause I think he does mention it. Cause at, at one point uh, he wants to take a left turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frank wants to take a left turn while he's driving and he's a blind man. And then Charlie's like, uh, uh, okay, I'll tell you. And then I think Frank says like, listen, if you don't say it, I'm just going to do it anyways. So you begin to think like he's, he's trying to like force Charlie to make a decision here. Uh, and then he, I think they make like two left turns. And one like drifts. Did you notice that? Like yeah, one drifts. He drifts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and that that's the point. Where I was like, okay, this is this is a very ridiculous scene, but I understand. I understand. You know, trying to Charlie's trying to reward him by getting a, getting him out, getting him in a Ferrari and going there. You know, so, but he changes gears, right? He changes gears like yeah. Nothing. <laughs> that's <laughs> he what I'm saying. That, well, you said he rode in one right <laughs> all the time, and he he never got to drive it, but he would ride in it with. Uh, like the general or something like that they said yeah i don't remember the story but yeah something like um, those lines yeah one was it after this or before when i think it's before it might be before this when charlie catches him cleaning the gun for the first time and then they end up going out to get you know a meal and that's when i think frank dances with the girl the tango that's right yeah he does he does dance with i believe donna's her name so yeah and that's the whole scent of the woman, right? Like, cause like throughout the film, he's picking up these different perfumes and stuff, the different smells, and he kind of mentions it to to different people. Yeah, and uh, that suave suave Al Pacino, man. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the first time we we see him in a sense smell his atmosphere is when they're in that um they're in that restaurant and and, and Charlie's like, "Yo, twenty five dollars for a hamburger," and then like a woman sits mm-hmm. down. And then you see like Al Pacino kind of put his nose in the air and he's like, and he's like, ah, what an environment or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, and then, yeah, like when they meets Donna, uh, the, this lady, this woman, young lady who, um, who's waiting for somebody and, mm-hmm. you know, he approaches the woman with Charlie and then he actually ends up like smelling like whatever perfume or something like that. And then she's like, yeah, that's it. Like, you know, so he can like decipher, you begin to mm-hmm. think though, it's like, how, how did he gain that knowledge <laughs> yeah man. like brother he, brother has like a catalog of all these like scents a, a, or, bra- a braille catalog a yeah. braille catalog or <laughs> or like he's been with that many women you begin to think you yeah. know you know like how you know if that's if that's the case uh, because i mean he's you know he can't see so obviously mm-hmm. the scent uh is perhaps 
you know, probably one of the uh, greatest things to bring, to draw him into a woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I did find it pretty interesting too, that he like smells, he smells yeah, the, the perfume. I think funny. he does it like three times in the film. So, <laughs> so, you know, I was, I was looking up some stuff on this, this movie and like one of the interesting facts is like the actress, uh, Gabrielle Anwar, I think it is who plays. Oh Lola. yeah. Yeah. The girl and Al Pacino, the like the, the they do the tango together. I guess he like he messed up her feet <laughs> like when they were dancing like really bad. Like she's like, I think I still have some half broken toes from that like dude back in the day. That's wild. <laughs> but she but she was like, but it was Al Pacino, so I was like, I don't give a shit. He was so nice, I couldn't you know not do it. So yeah, yeah, no. And yeah. then uh, did you re- do you have any other facts on there on the like fun facts? Um, I mean the other one was like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie School Ties. Yes. Yeah. With, you know, Chris O'Donnell's in there and then Brendan Fraser's in there, Matt Damon. Like, they yeah. all, like, uh, I think Brad Dorf, I think. Mm-hmm. They all auditioned for that same role of Charlie. Like, yeah. at the same time. Did you yeah. know that? That, 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 yeah. one, that one's pretty crazy. That is pretty good. And then I guess, like, they all asked Chris O'Donnell how he went. And then, mm-hmm. like, he was very, like, he didn't give out too many details. He's like, ah, you know, it went all right. You know, like, yeah, it went all right. You know, no, no, tell us how it went. Yeah, I think I did okay. You know, like, but I guess he said that uh, Chris O'Donnell did say that he he did really prepare for this role, and that part of the fact that the reason why he got it is because he knew that he was going to be there with Al Pacino, and so he was already like nervous to meet Al Pacino, mm-hmm. and so that nervousness played into Charlie's character, which feeds into when you see the movie you see charlie you're like you realize he he is a little intimidated by by uh frank um mm-hmm. he doesn't you know he doesn't like completely say oh you're, you're too crazy um but he definitely does does you can sense that he is intimidated so that natural intimidation shows through very naturally and so it, it yeah. works with the film and it works with For the sure. character yeah uh i thought that was what was interesting too is that i guess jack nicholson said no to the al pacino role yeah or to the yeah. frank role yeah but I guess it also says that Nicholson made up for it because in 1992 he appeared in Man Trouble, Hoffa, and A Few Good Men. So yeah, can't go wrong there. So I guess you know he, no, man. you know, it's all good. You know, go ahead. Yeah, I I don't know. Like yeah, like I feel like that's that's such a. I mean, Pacino's got tons of roles that he's obviously remembered for, but this is like one that's like so ingrained. I feel like in in cinema, like. People really? know him from from this role, yeah. Like that, who I so remember. Like people, people when they do impressions of him, even make that noise because they uh, see fucking son of a woman. It's yeah. so dumb, you know what I mean? And I mean, this is the one. I think the one and only Oscar he got was in this role wow. for best actor for okay. for that okay. for playing Frank. Yeah. So, do you know how he got? Yeah, I mean, he's been nominated tons of times, but yeah, yeah, no, I had heard something about the the guy that was training him from the army or something, right? Yeah, yeah, the guy who's pretty much telling him how to teach him how to like um, disassemble and reassemble the 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 gun, the forty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the one. I think every time they say, I don't know, whatever, there's something happening. He'd be like, who is? Where was that from? And he got that, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna use that. So that's that's where it's from. It's from his time of training. And so yeah, thought that was interesting. Uh, it's interesting you say that um, that it's you feel like it's one of his most memorable like roles. I, I guess I could see that, you know. Maybe because the impersonations come through, because it's easy to say who are. You know? Yeah, I mean I, that's what I'm saying. Like he has tons of memorable roles, like Scarface, you know, The Godfather, Mike Corleone, and like yeah, all kinds of different roles that he's done. And 
that's what I'm saying. Like people always, for some reason, when they do impressions of him, do his send of a send of a woman role. Like yeah, the way he talks in there for some reason, his Frank Slade uh, character. So yeah, it's kind of funny. Okay, okay. Uh, do you have any other memorable scenes or scenes that you were like, dang, that was good, or hey, this uh, really stood out to me? Well, I, I mean, obviously, the two that stick out to me is, you know, the, the scene where he's about to kill himself and he's got the gun on Charlie, and mm. also like the the final scene, you know, the climactic scene at school. But yeah, the the you know the scene when he's got the gun on Charlie when Charlie's trying to stop him from killing himself, and you know, give me two, he says, give me two reasons mm. why. Like yeah. what two things, why would anyone, why should I stay alive? You know, like, right. You know, and the, the, the reasons that he gives them is just kind of like kid reasons, man. Like, you know, honestly, but there, sometimes those things as dumb as it sounds, but as an adult, but it's weird to say and to think about, but those two, two reasons that he gives them are like carefree reasons, but also reasons why not like to live, you know, like yeah, things that make you happy. Yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with the 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 climactic scene where Pacino shows up at the hearing, unannounced. Uh, but yeah, he's there for his bro, for his brother, his fellow yeah. uh, Charlie. So that was a good scene. Yeah. Real quick, uh, in case you haven't seen it, the two things he says is the tango and the blind driving. Like you know, those are the two things. That's right. That you do yeah. better than anyone else. Yeah. So and he, and I think even Frank is like, because you never seen anyone else do that stuff anyway. <laughs> You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saying, like, you're so young, kid. Like, you, you've only seen one person do those things, and that's me. So, mm-hmm. um, which I think is like pretty funny. I think, um, I think one of my favorite scenes is actually after the hearing is announced, after the verdict is announced, and it's when mm-hmm. Frank uh, and Charlie encounter Mrs. Downs. She's the teacher that approaches him. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Hey, yeah. I just want to say thank you so much for like speaking your mind. You know, I'm gonna." forget what kind of teacher she is not a political science but something something political yeah it was political science oh it was okay yeah and so um you know i think what's really cool about this scene is that we did did she say something like speaking truth to power or something like yeah yeah she said yeah she was just yeah she was just you know uh commenting on on the fact that you know saying like thank you so much for speaking your mind about about you know earlier um and so i think what's interesting about this part is that i feel like the roles are reversed here in the sense that Charlie, Charlie has an opportunity here. And so mm-hmm. does Frank. And, you know, Mrs. Down says, Hey, I'm a political teacher and stuff like that. And he's like, Oh, that's, that's, you know, that's great. And then Charlie sees an opportunity and says, you know, uh, Frank was on the Lyndon Johnson staff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, look at Charlie picking up on being a good wingman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I thought that was great because earlier, when you go back to the tango scene after he he does the tango with the girl Donna, he walks over to Charlie and he's like, "Oh, you should see Charlie dance. He's he's got great moves." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, if you think he can dance, he can also sing." And Charlie's like, "Don't listen to him. Like, I don't know how to dance or sing." <laughs> <laughs> but but I love the fact that Charlie took away the fact that hey, I'm gonna encourage the people that I'm with. You know, like mm-hmm. he's Charlie saw an opportunity to help Frank here. And um, Frank takes it, you know, he's like, Hey, maybe we can like talk later. And he goes, well, I know where to find you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he like pretty much, Oh, and this is also where he, he calls out the other perfume, you yeah. know? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what it is. You know? And he, I think it's uh, in French and then he translates it from French to English. And so she's like, obviously already, you know, romanticized with him. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's that's probably one of my favorite scenes, just because like um, after everything that Frank has gone through and expressed and shared, you realize that Frank, Frank is uh, he's turned a new leaf. He's turned mm-hmm. a new leaf, and he's excited. He's got something to look forward to, uh, besides another Jack Daniels drink and another cigar. Um, and then uh, I think the last, the next thing I would say is, this is at the very end where Charlie drops off Frank. Frank walks up the 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 driveway and he meets his little. I think they're called. I think they're like grand nieces at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this scene because he starts to interact with them very nicely. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's really um, cute. Yeah. Cause like he lives in a house, like, I don't know what you would call that, but it's like the house that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a detached from the other house or whatever. Like, I don't know what you would call that, but, um, and so he's about to enter and he invites his little grand nieces and nephew. And, and then he also invites the cat in. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring this up is because the first time we, before we enter, um, Frank's house, the niece and Charlie are about to enter the house the niece like opens a door and she's got a cat and she's like, do you want the cat in or out? And she's like, get him out of here. He's been messing <laughs> with the other cat down the street or something like that. Uh, and uh, then, and then when Charlie's inside the house, um, one of the little nieces like um, uh, goes up to the window and starts to make like a little face. And then like, he gets really angry. Frank gets really angry and like throws a pillow. And he actually starts to criticize the whole family at this point. Like he's like, ah, he's a mechanic. He doesn't know anything. And then like, she's a home cook, but uh, a home stay-at-home mom but like she she doesn't even know how to like cook make cookies and stuff like that and then the kids are like they don't know anything and that's as but that's about as disrespectful as frank gets throughout his whole journey um but then he comes home and like he's like a completely different man and i just think mm-hmm. like wow what a what a what a great transformation we have here with frank uh in my opinion yeah. you know no and that's that's that scene too like at the end and he's like He's talking to the teacher and he's like, don't tell me she has, she's five, seven, got sawborn hair. You know, it's funny. Like, and I'm thinking to myself at that time is like, you know, even if she doesn't like, you know, uh, Chris O'Donnell, you know, Charlie could be like, yeah, she does. You're right. You know, or you can be like, yeah, she's a completely different person, but you're not going to lie to Frank. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what though? Like, I, and, uh, that, that's another scene I like though. Like at the airport, he's like, why are you grabbing me for? He's, he's <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> That's true. I'm the one that's blind. I grab you. <laughs> that's true. He does get really angry when, like, when Charlie doesn't grab uh, him. He's like, yeah. "I'm the one that's blind here." You know? Yep. Oh my gosh. Uh, Good stuff, but man. I, I will say the one line that sticks with me throughout, like, everything after seeing the movie is the line at the end where he's, you know, speaking to the headmaster of the school, and he says, mm-hmm. "Be careful." And take care with the leaders you create in this school. Mm-hmm. Like that stuck with me because he says, you know, that I feel like that rings very true when you think about the adults teaching the younger people in the world and what's right from wrong and what's acceptable and what isn't, you know, it's, it's like very basic stuff, but it's very important, you know, and for him mm-hmm. to say that, you know, that that really stuck with me because what he was about to do. Mm-hmm. It was very shady, man. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like, no, of course, yeah. And you're doing it, in, like you said, making a big audience, and you're showing all these kids, like you have the opportunity to show them what is right and what's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. agree. I think uh, there's definitely a lot of good. The the speech, I wouldn't call it a monologue because he does get interrupted, but the majority of what he's saying, like there are some good things to be picked up from there. 
And, and one of the things after he was done, my thought was like, is this what we waited for? Like initially the first time, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like this is, this was like the biggest crescendo of the movie, you know, like to, because he, he, this is the longest he ever talks. I think this is the longest any character talks in the film. Uh, He's obviously trying to make a statement here about what's happening Mm -hmm. uh, about this institution and about, um, you know, what's going on. And plus Frank comes from a military background where like, you know, you walk in that branch and like, they make you into the soldier that they need you to be. They give mm-hmm. you the quality. They, they, in a sense, chip away at the bad qualities and replace them with good qualities so that, you know, you, you become the, the military man that they need you to be. And so like, he's, you know, he has experience. And so he, he feels yeah. that he's able to talk about such things. Um, but he also likes the fact that he's what he sees in Charlie. He's like, this yeah, is- that's what I was going to say. Like, that's, yeah. that's when Charlie hears what he thinks about him. Like really here, you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, there's a line in there, something about like, uh, I can't remember what it is. Something, something along of like, like, don't like something about protecting something, but then also like, don't, don't snuff out his spirit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or don't, don't send him back home. Like with his tail between the legs, like, you know, actually like do you have an opportunity here? So protect it. So yeah, there's some really good stuff in that, in that, in that monologue for sure. So I, I highly agree. Uh, and I like the, the importance and, and what's being said there. Nice, man. Well, that scent of a woman. Anything else you can think of? No. Oh, um, let's see. Oh, I, yeah, I have a question. Let's see. If, you know, okay. what, what do you think? I mean, I think we kind of touched upon this already, but if we could just kind of like just condense these. What are some of the lessons uh, Frank teaches Charlie? Yeah, whatever comes to, to mind, whatever you think. I mean, just, oh, just being I think with this just man, being, you know, to be direct, man, to, to you know, be don't be afraid. Pretty yeah. much to get what get what you want or ask for what you want. Yeah. And the yeah. way you want it, you know, that that's yeah. that's one of the important ones I think he gets. Like after like just after the first time seeing it and then going back to the scenes, uh, some of the scenes uh, a second time, I was thinking I was like, oh, you know what? Like Charlie, Charlie's learned something, some stuff in here. So I put mm-hmm. uh, he's got to learn how to dance. <laughs> Charlie's <laughs> like, I got to learn how to dance. I got to be a good wingman and talk positive about my friend. Uh, I gotta buy a tailored suit because remember, like Frank right, gets right. me a tailored suit. Um, I gotta have or keep my integrity, and then uh, I gotta know my perfumes. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's a good list, man. I, I was like looking back. I'm like, yeah, I feel like you know, because he's Ch- Charlie. Obviously, he's in a school where like he he got in, like he's he's book smart. Um, but it seems like the street smarts aren't there, and I think I think. Mm. Uh, I think Frank fills in that gap for him a little bit. And so, uh, especially with like the, the whole interaction with women and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, dressing yourself, pre- you know, making yeah. yourself presentable and stuff like the, that. So those are the, like, yeah, those are like the little charms, the little nuances, yeah. little qualities, uh, yeah. that you, you know, yeah, definitely, yeah. man. Yeah. So those are great. Nice. That's, those are my thoughts, man. I think overall, like, you know what, the first time I saw this and I was like, you know what, I don't know if I watch this again, but then after going back, you know what? I would watch this again. And I would, I would, I would tell people to see this if you haven't seen it. I know we probably spoiled some of the stuff if you haven't seen it, but uh, it's different and much different when you experience it. Cause it is, it is, it's like two and a half hours long. This is a longer movie. It is. Yeah, it definitely so, is. Two and a half hours long. So yeah, I, I recommend it. I give it, I give it two thumbs up. Nice, man. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's roll into our next film. And for that, I'm just going to, I'm going to do one of these. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Was that loud? 
The Great Outdoors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starring the one and only John Candy. That's right. That's right. And Dan Aykroyd. So they actually shared top billing. That's right. It's like one of the only times. Um, and have you seen this before? Uh, I don't think I. No, I don't recall. I mean, I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I don't. I think this mm-hmm. is the first time I've sat down and be like, okay, I'm gonna intentionally watch this movie. Um, and just real quick as a reminder, what did we? What was John Candy's last? What What was the Thanksgiving movie we did last year with John Candy? Was that Uncle Buck? So, yes, last year we did Uncle Buck, uh, and the year before that we did uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So, all right, all right, all right. We're increasing the catalog here. So, yeah. John Candy is going to be like the king of Thanksgiving for the No on 15 Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a likable guy, though, you know? He is, man. He is. I agree. I agree. So I've seen this movie a couple times. What do you think, man? Um, you know what? It's not a it's it's not a bad film. It's there are times where I I I figured it would be like kind of silly humor, um, Mm -hmm. some ridiculous moments. Um, but overall, I think. I do love the chemistry between John Candy and Dan Aykroyd because Dan Aykroyd is like this. I guess you could call him like he's he's just kind of like uh, he's like flashing his money. You know, he's uh, they're they're out in this great forest preserve and like he rolls up in like a Mercedes and like he obviously there's a money monetary difference between him and and John Candy, uh, where John Candy loves the, the great outdoors or just being outdoors and stuff and. His, a little, he's a lot. He's a lot closer to his family, whereas mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd, like he has two twin uh, daughters. But he, he at one point, uh, he asks his wife. He's like, "How come? How come? Um, how come Chet's kids look at him <laughs> like he's Zeus, but my kids look at me like, like, uh, like I, like I'm at a what is what is it? He refers to himself as like garden <laughs> tools from at Sears or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and his wife is like, "Well, maybe you, you know, because you work too much, and you should be with the family more often." And then he's like, "Hold on, hold on, honey, I got this call on the phone." You know, like he yep. pretty much he just pretty much everything. like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. So I hate Roman, man. I, I love Diane Aykroyd. Hate Roman's guts, and I think that's what you're supposed to. You know, that's that's a great actor. If you hate him, man, the character they're playing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like like you said, like he's he's just not yeah he's just not a super likable character, um you know he's like trying to be flashy and everything, um, but mm-hmm. then you have like uh, Chet's kids, which are Buck and uh, Ben, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, yep. they're, they're fun. I mean, the only one who really sticks out is is uh, Buck because he Buck. he has like a love interest, so yeah. But that's a uh, and then Ben's just kind of there as like kind of says funny things here and there, but. Yeah, but overall, like it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a fun, funny movie at times. Uh, not super hilarious in my opinion, but it is, it is. I think the chemistry between John Candy and Dan Aykroyd are like, it's fun to watch. It's fun to see them go at each other's throats, and you can see that John Candy's uncomfortable. So, uh, yeah, definitely, man. That's uh, that's what I say. I love, I love what Chet is trying to do with his family. He's kind of trying to recreate moments that he had with his father, and but he's trying to do it with his family out at this resort. And, you know, trying to get away, they're on vacation, which is something I think a lot of people do for Thanksgiving. They go away somewhere sometimes to be with family or they go to get away sometimes, you know, for the holiday. And which is you can kind of correlate that, you know, with this film in a way, uh, just family and vacation time. So and he's that's his plan. Like they're there to get away from the big city. They're from, you know, Chicago. They're from Illinois. yeah. Yeah. And like. The second that Roman shows up, he's like, what the hell's going on here? He's already trying to get it on with his wife, you know, because the kids ain't there. That's right. And uh, 
he walks in and they're videotaping and shit. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, <laughs> I think it's so uh, funny that he had the camera ready. I'm just like, yeah, uh, you know, maybe he's been in other situations like that. He goes, you know, yeah, that's, that's the, that was a like, funny scene. And then you said Buck, like, you know, he has a love interest. Like that to me is the one part I feel is a little odd in the movie now is like he's trying to hook up with the local girl. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird side story in a way. Um, yeah, it doesn't really I work almost well. feels a, yeah. yeah, it feels a little disconnected from the film. Now, as I'm older, watching it again, revisiting it. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, because she's like, all oh, the guys that, you know, come, they always, you know, always break up with them after a couple of weeks. But hey, let's do it again anyway. Fuck this shit. Come on, yeah, I thought that was so interesting. <laughs> she was like, well, you're probably not. You're probably just going to leave anyways. You're probably just, you know, you're not really interested in stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And she's like, well, like, what do you think? You know, like, what do you gonna, you know, she still wants yeah. to have yeah. some sort of relationship with him, even oh, though, like, yeah. she feels that he might, uh, you know, he might just like dip or might just ditch her, as, as she puts it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe the love interest happened just because there was no love. <laughs> there was no love. I think That's the fire true. was put out pretty early on with uh, with Roman uh, coming into the picture with his wife. Yeah. So yeah. And th- to me, like the one scene that always I always remember from this movie is the old '96er scene. So when okay. they go to the restaurant, and <laughs> you know yeah. they get. If he eats this big gigantic ass steak, like everyone gets to eat for free, and just like how much focus they put on it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they show the locker, the cold, the cooler, they zoom in on it real slow. This is like this absurd sized piece of steak, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we should probably use for our our episode cover because it's so big. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, dude! But like, yeah, no, it's that always sticks with me. Um, how he's eating it slowly little pieces yeah and he kind of gets towards the end and he thinks he's done and everyone's clapping but then the cook's like uh-uh, there's still something on that plate it's like <laughs> <laughs> My, i love that scene because yeah you're right they they it's like oh the 96 you have to eat it all and stuff like that and then yeah they cut to the scene where like they go back in the cooler and this thing is like hanging in like in the in the in the fridge it's just massive just, and if you don't know this i mean 96 ounces that's six pounds of meat like that's six pounds of meat that's like like unreal like i i don't think any i don't know anyone that could even eat like three pounds of meat um but man like six pounds of meat and I, you're right when when the chef is like no that ain't the last bite and he looks down and like the fat and then I love it because like uh, John Candy is like grabbing at Romans, <laughs> and then he's, he's kind of so whining. Sc- yeah, like he's like scared. He's like looking back, like terrified of the greed or the fat. Oh my gosh, I love I love John Candy's look on his face. It's oh, like, dude, he's, he's genuinely terrified, and it really comes across that way. So yeah, but he ends up doing it. <laughs> he is yeah, like really, he's the saving grace of the movie, man. Like Dan Aykroyd's great too, but like John Candy's moments, like. Yeah. The moment when he's telling his story about when they stay there in the honeymoon and then, they, you know, the bear the story bear. about the bear. Yeah. <laughs> and they kind of do a flashback scene and it's like it's supposed to be a younger him with glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> like you put him in like a hippie jacket or something. Right. And yeah. Well, they they like they never they only like show him from like the neck up. They never show him mm-hmm. like, you know, because obviously it's the same same body and stuff like that. But I, I, I completely I love the fact that the the funny part of that story is that the bear is like bald <laughs> because of the shotgun blast the shot, yeah. yeah the bu- 
<laughs> I think that's like the funniest part of that story. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where it came from. You know, like that's mm-hmm. super funny to me. Yeah, it's it's like one um, of those things where it's like a, it becomes like a legend. Yes. And then you're like, you're like, okay, this has to come through. There's no way they're going to tell us this whole story. That's a long scene. Mm-hmm. You know, that story is like a long scene. So I'm like, okay, they, this thing has to come through again. Um, and then the raccoons and the shit they talk about the people. Uh, that shit cracks me up too. They're like, they're like, oh, oh, they're from Chicago. We're going to eat good. <laughs> you know what I thought? You know what I thought when I was watching this movie? And I was like, it's fucking Caesar, man. Like, I need to make this movie. And I was like, Caesar was going to Caesar gonna tell me he's laughing at this raccoon shit. I'm like, this raccoon shit's kind of stupid. <laughs> it was like, it well, is. Yeah. It is. And th- that's the kind of stuff they used to do back then. But, like, as a kid, that's the kind of stuff that makes you laugh, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. It's really pretty. Yeah. But, like, they just give them. They don't talk. They just give them like subtitles. I thought that was like really right. funny. Yeah. Um, they, they mentioned something. The raccoons mentioned like, well, if they're from Chicago, then you know it's going to be like good food or something. Yeah. They literally say, yeah, we're going to eat good. And then like, <laughs> yeah. oh, they, and then put like, oh, they put rocks on there. That don't work. <laughs> they oh come back gosh. the next night. Yeah. It's just kind of like a running gag. It's like, that's some John Hughes stuff right there. Cause he does, some of his writing is like that, um, you know, where he, he has kind of like this running gag kind of going with a, a side character somehow in a movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not a major part, but it's funny uh, the way they do it. And then I, they're actually, there's a post credit scene in the movie. I don't know if you, yes. you saw it. Yeah, yeah. With them as well. That should make, and I didn't remember that. And I was laughing at that too. The raccoons, right? You talking about the raccoons? Yeah. 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 yeah the raccoons. Yeah. I thought that was really funny too. Um, But Roman's real reason for being there and how shady he was. Um, what do you think about that? Um, well, it makes sense uh, in the sense that why he's acting the way he is. He's like overcompensating. You know, he's like making it seem like he, I mean, I'm sure he was probably on the phone trying to get deals. But you you realize, oh, like this guy, you know, he admits that he's broke and he hasn't really been working the same job anymore. Like he's downgraded to like getting coffee. Um, I think at the stock exchange or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, so he comes clean. And so, um, but I think he also comes clean about the fact that he lied to Chet right. about yes. how he got the check. Um, cause he tells Chet like, Oh, you know, you remember, remember the wedding and you know, you were talking to, I forgot who he was talking to. And then he basically, he, he repeats what Chet says, which is something pretty horrible about, about Roman. And uh, and then Chet's like, oh, I'm terribly sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, if you want me to get in this investment, I'll, I'll help you. But then, like, you know, Chet has a. I'm sorry, Roman has like this moment of conscience, and he's like, ah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got to come clean. He goes, yeah, I made up that story, by the way. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know. So it's like he's, you know, he has to come clean twice because you know he's broke. But then at the same time, he's like, oh, by the way, I, I totally lied to get you to <laughs> to get you to invest in this thing which I have no mm-hmm. idea what it is, you know, some Ponzi scheme or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it just goes to show that, you know, Romans just doesn't have it all together. So, yeah. Yeah. Does that just make I you think, hate him? Does that make you hate him more? Yeah. I mean, like, that's what, that's what I was thinking about, like that scene. And then I think before that, the bat scene where, you know, the bat was like loose in the house. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I remember funny. that being as a kid, I remember that being funnier than it was this time. And yeah, I still felt bad for Chet because, you know, 
every time he had a deal with Roman, like some shit would happen to him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the the jet ski, or uh, not the jet ski, but the the like racing boat, and like yeah, yeah. Um, and then here he got hit in the face with the when he like with a bat, he got That's hit right, right in the face. Yeah, yeah. And, and then um, and then when he goes to rescue the two his the two twins, yeah, like he thinks again. that they're down in that little cave and. He like he pulls he pulls he's got the rope and then he thinks they're pulling him he's pulling him out of the cave and he realizes oh that's the bear with the ball yep <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah like Chet Chet gets like the the shit on the stick as he's trying to like do good with his family um, and Roman is kind of like he's like the monkey wrench in all of his plans yeah and then like the small quips you hear under his breath like throughout the movie uh, when he's talking about Roman. <laughs> he's like assholes yeah I, I got i hate assholes or something like that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thinking about roman you know so funny. yeah i think one of the 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 strangest parts about roman's interaction with like all the characters is is roman's interaction with chet's wife connie um i don't know if you know like this is like when they're this is when roman is uh, he's grilling the lobster tails. Yes, yeah, I know exactly. And then, like he, about. he's yep. like he talks about lips come up or something like that. And then Roman ends up oh, kissing the Chet's hot wife. Yeah, he ends mm-hmm. up kissing like Chet's wife. I'm like, like what is that? Like that that was like really <laughs> strange. And yeah, obviously Chet's like upset about that. And he like I think he takes like a skewer. And he like he like pretends he's gonna like stab mm-hmm. Roman. Which I thought was like super funny. I'm just like that's a really weird. That's a really weird. He's thing like he's. He says, uh, he's like, you're going to grill hot dogs. You know, hot dogs are made out of, he's like lips and assholes or something like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> lips and assholes. Yeah. And then he's like, I'll um, give you lips. And then he kisses her. I there you go. That's the line. That's the line. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, whoa. Roman a little too uh, confident here, you know? Yeah, man. Crossing boundaries, you know? But then the reason why I bring that up is because way at the end, like after the raccoon cutscene. You see, or is it before? Anyways, you see, like where they're all dancing at the end of the film. At the end yeah, of the film, that's before, yeah, yeah. Do you see, like Roman is dancing with Connie, like suggestively? I don't know if you noticed. That. <laughs> and I'm wondering if, like, I wonder if no, it couldn't have happened. But I was thinking, like, that's such a weird dynamic because Chet and Chet and then Roman's wife are sitting together. I'm just like, this is weird to me. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like Roman wanted to make a move on connie <laughs> the whole time that see i that's always wondered like i feel like that scene was in the beginning but they just showed it at the end you know yeah maybe maybe yeah because i was thinking too i was like well maybe the original maybe connie was the original wife of roman but i'm like no nah, that wouldn't have made any sense but i don't know i just thought that was like really interesting because like he's getting close to her and like he's yeah. kind of playful with her and i'm just like what is going on over here, man? Like, ooh, and then what? he's videotaping her at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even like, think about that. Yeah, like, watch out, man. Yeah, Chet needs to like step in and be like, "Yo, bro, like, <laughs> calm down. You know, take it easy." Um. So, what did you think? Like, I had that as one of my like funniest moments, where yeah, the obviously the bear story where the bear gets uh, its ass hair shot off at the end. <laughs> Did that, that part had me laughing dude so hard like still I, laughing yeah i think um i think yeah I, I, that's a really funny scene for sure and i think it's funny because the the gun that's used it's the shotgun <laughs> lamp. it's the shotgun lamp that we see when they first walk into the cabin 
and they're like, mm. uh, "Look, it's a it, John Candy like character chat." It's like, "Look, look, kids, like it's a lamp, but it's like a shotgun, you know." And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, "Okay," and like the camera pans all the way up and down. It didn't hit me, but it's like you know foreshadowing. And so they right. use it. Chet uses it, yeah, and, the, and it's got a light bulb at the end, <laughs> and so it it like blows off the the rear end or not like the hair off the rear end of the bear and i was like yeah you just have like these these cheeks that are just showing just like, oh my gosh dude like, what's going and the on? sound yeah the sound it makes when it's running away yeah it's so dumb <laughs> like the, uh, the that was one thing i was gonna ask you like do you do you have any facts or do you know anything about the 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 shaved head of the bear i like, don't man like it, that i was looking I up some it was, like stuff makeup and like, or something like that I wonder that too, because I was like looking at it, and I was like, man, that's really good. If it was just kind of like some kind of prosthetic piece that they added, it, yeah. it must have been because it had to have been, yeah. It, you know. it looked so convincing in a way. It looked very uh, convincing, yeah, yeah. And it just made that. What did they have to do to the bear to put that on it, man? Like, is this like a circus bear? Like, who would you know known to be obviously you know been it trained to be been. around people, yeah? Because uh, that was crazy, man. The ball, not just that, but then the. You know the, the back cheeks. side, like, yeah, the back side, the cheeks. So, that's it's pretty crazy. That is a pretty um, funny scene. <clears throat> I know, like interesting facts. Like I know, like Chevy Chase. I think they wanted Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, um, to do the part of Roman. Like other actors that they looked at. Oh man, Bill Murray as Roman would have been hilarious hilarious yeah. not to take it any away from dan Aykroyd, but him like bill murray and in, in just the way that he is naturally and like charming but also you can do a backhanded compliment and you'd think that he's complimenting you you know and then you're like oh wait uh he actually like yeah he disrespected me there i think bill murray would have been a phenomenal roman craig in this movie like yeah, the whole scene think- where you would have come clean oh my gosh you would have handled that so so much better in my opinion yeah yeah I Definitely think, tough. yeah, and I think, you know, what's funny is because it's like, it's almost polar opposites to what you see from John Candy in, you know, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where he's kind of like the salesman and, you know, doing yeah. all this stuff. And he's here, he's a family man, you know, and he's got to deal with someone that, you know, they's kind of getting on their nerves. So it's funny to see that contrast. Like, as an actor, you had that range, man, uh, oh, John yeah. Candy. So, no, for sure, for sure. Um, but it would have been amazing to see either Chevy Chase or Bill Murray, and then obviously uh, just to see, you know, the dynamic that would have would have happened there. But I think oh, it was yeah. because Bill Murray was taking like a break from acting at the time, so mm. he didn't want to do it. And I think Chevy Chase had another movie similar to this that was coming out. I think Funny Farm came out that same year. Ah, uh, okay, so, okay, okay, yeah. And so I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, and so but like, is. Like what made you? Because this this film doesn't really take place around Thanksgiving, but what what it, what what made you choose this film? Um, that's the thing. Like it reminds me of going somewhere on the holiday, so it kind of feels like it fits the time. And the mm-hmm. movie itself, that when it was actually filmed, it was actually mm-hmm. filmed around October, November. So that the that's why like if you really pay attention to some of the um, you know environment in the film that's yeah. captured on like some cinematography, there's a lot of leaves on the ground everywhere. There's a lot of you know it's it is fall. Like when the movie takes, like actually was filmed, even though they're trying to make it set like it's in the summertime as a resort. Yeah. So, but okay. I always got that feeling, man. And the storm feeling just makes it feel cold, like, you know, like yeah. fall time, like bad November rain, yeah. you know. Okay. So, okay. And then and the then, family element. So, that, that yeah, kinda, that was, 
that was gonna ask you too like it through like through like the thanksgiving lens are there any messages that you took away from this film through like the thanksgiving lens um yeah like how no matter what differences annette benning's character actually says when she's driving away which causes roman to go back like no matter what differences family has you know they're still there for you man you know and it's something yeah. to be thankful for you know no matter what so yeah and that's that's kind of crazy like no matter what like was going on and what roman was doing like they were still there for him dude yeah yeah no i think that's that's the most positive we see annette benning's character like respond because i feel mm -hmm. that throughout the rest of the film it was like um she was very supportive of of, of her husband roman but she mm -hmm. also became you know pretty reactive toward connie uh chet's wife mm -hmm. when they were like you know when yeah this is like when chet's pretty much had it with like this family you know he's like oh really like you know you you i don't remember inviting you to this to this cabin you know mm -hmm. and then the wife gets in it and then you know chet's uh roman's wife gets in it and it's like yeah it goes back and forth but it was just nice to see that part where they're driving away and and then uh, Kate's like, yeah, like it's been really, it's nice to see that you like, you're supportive and you can help them. Like, oh, I really hope this investment comes through. And then, yeah, that's where the conviction comes in. And, and Roman has to, has to um, confess that he's not no. who he says he's been lately. So yeah, good stuff for sure. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> one other interesting thing uh, about the movie was it's supposed to take place in Wisconsin, which mm -hmm. is just up north from us. And even though it was filmed in California, like Northern California and anyone that's been to the Dells, like Wisconsin Dells can tell you about Paul Bunyan's restaurant, which is where they're supposed to be eating the old 86er, which is what it's based off of in the movie. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Dang. Do they still have that steak then? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they still have that steak, but I know that, 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 you know, that restaurant in particular is one that's, that's known in Wisconsin Dells. So and wow. they, they put it in the movie. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to look that up now. I'm gonna have to starve myself and see if I can jump in. <laughs> the '96 or the old '96 or no, I don't think I'll survive. I'm, I'd probably get like uh, half halfway through, maybe, and that's it. And we get a quarter of the way through. That's way too much meat. <laughs> but oh man, <clears throat> it's cool. Like I, I, I like John Candy in this movie, mm -hmm. and I think part of it is just seeing him more in that family element than most of the time we're used to seeing like just his character kind of pop up in different like you know supporting roles and this is him dealing with you know kind of apropos to someone else doing what he's done in some of his yeah. other movies so yeah no I, I agree i think he definitely comes across more as a family man whereas like in previous movies like last year who we did uncle buck he's obviously a lot more distracted he doesn't have a plan mm -hmm. You know, so he's he's not as uh, focused as Chet uh, in The Great Outdoors. So, yeah, definitely more of a family role and family man in, in this film. Uh, yeah, which is nice to see. It's refreshing to see and see him in that role. Yeah, and he's, like, super mm -hmm. thoughtful because, like, he even challenges Roman, like, when the two girls are down in that little cave or whatever. He's like, go in there. He's like, no, no, like, I'm, like, super claustrophobic. He's like, you got to do this for your kids, man. Like, do this for your kids. 
And so like, he's obviously challenging Roman to like, yeah, like you need to step up you need to step up and be the man, be the father. He goes, he goes for once, be the, be the father to your kids. You're like, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> he's like trying to be encouraging, but he like slaps him in the face with like a really hard <laughs> truth or observation, I guess you could say. Oh my God. That's so, so yeah. true. Yeah. So he obviously chat, it's like, it's like his one moment to kind of like fire back and, and like kind of jab, <laughs> jab Roman, like emotionally in the heart. He's like, for mm-hmm. once, be a father, man. It's like, there you go. Yeah, Call him out. <laughs> Call him out. You know? Tripped out. Uh, nice, man. So would you recommend people uh, The Great Outdoors or no? I would have to say it's not one of my favorite John Candy films. Um, like I said, it's got some kind of like, yeah, like r- little ridiculous characters in there. Like the, the the people who they encounter when they give them the cabin and so forth. Um, but to me, I think the reason why I wouldn't recommend it is I just don't find it super, I don't find it like a really funny movie. I think there's some mm-hmm. funny instances that happen, but it's, it wasn't, it wasn't a movie that really had me laughing. You know, I think one of the funniest scenes are like, um, yeah, like the bear. And then also like the, when he's on the, when he's skiing or a water mm-hmm. skiing, I think that was like really funny. It's a collab. It's like, just, you know, just a whole bunch of things that are happening. Uh, and the, the funniest part is that, like, you know, Chet wasn't supposed to be water skiing. It was his son. He was teaching his son how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I think the funniest part is, like, when, because uh, Chet's like, remember, if if things are going out of control, you just let go of the rope. All right? You let go of the rope. If something bad's going to happen, you let go of the rope. And then, like, right off the bat, like, Roman interprets Chet's, like, hand waves to say, like, oh, he's going to go. And then let's loose and then of course john kenny doesn't let go of the rope for like three minutes no oh, um, man just constantly like abusing himself like through all the things that are happening so yeah he's like he's like i'm gonna die i'm gonna die i'm gonna die and then he like escapes getting a wall or hitting another boat or something like that yeah yeah so i thought that was like that was like a funny scene right there but overall yeah it was it was it was good but it wasn't great to me so i i probably would okay. like pass over this one um you know so what about you all right uh, I say if you're a fan of John Candy, you're gonna watch it, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it's not. I'm not gonna say it's my favorite John Candy movie, but I think it's it's worth a watch, and especially if you like John Candy, um, there's just a lot of moments in there that you'll crack up just seeing him do his thing. Like one I forgot to mention is like the one like he's getting chased by the bear back to the cabin. Oh yeah, and just yeah. seeing him run and like hold the door and trying to tell them what's happening is very hilarious too. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's like, bear, breath. Ch- bear, chase, chase. Bear. And then, yeah, it's just, <laughs> he's just like, it's so funny, man. Just seeing him do his thing. Um, and it, if you like, like that whole vacation family thing and to see like a different uh, interpretation of it, with pretty like two pretty famous actors from the time i think it's worth mm-hmm. a watch for those reasons and i like and i know you thought the raccoons were stupid but i thought they were funny man and just <laughs> at in the post credit scene hearing them say uh yo i was judy sitting in the lake like that shit is oh, yeah. funny to me <laughs> the, the yeah. talk about the bear and they're like oh you know that she's bald from both sides now so it's pretty yeah funny. yeah that was like that was a funny line from from the raccoons like ball from both sides <laughs> yeah so Oh my gosh! But yeah, it, it's fun, man. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I got, man, for Thanksgiving this year. Yeah. Any uh, anything else? No, I mean, um, I think it's just more of, you know, what what I guess 
what are you looking forward to having on the Thanksgiving dinner table this year? Um, hmm, just hey man, I'm, I'm basic and classic and old school, so I'm just looking forward to some turkey, man. That's it. Straight up turkey, yeah. You Straight put some gravy turkey. on the turkey, or like what do you? Yeah, do? of course. You like of course gravy on the turkey. Yeah, right. yeah, of course. yeah, yeah. And no, I've been dieting for like the last four months pretty much oh, yeah? so i haven't been eating too bad um, okay okay so i'm sh- i'm sure i'm gonna have some mashed potatoes and stuff like that so Ooh, some some uh some rib sticking food yeah some, those are carbs. some rib sticking food <laughs> yeah absolutely man you gotta butter up the, the mashed potatoes um yeah okay okay you? so for me um mashed potatoes and stuffing i gotta have those on there i mean Ooh. and the reason why i say that is because like my mom doesn't like making turkey i don't mind having turkey but if it's not on the table that's totally fine but i'm like there's gonna be some stuffing though right <laughs> she's yeah. like, some stuffing. i was like and she always makes these really great mashed potatoes so as long as there's mashed potatoes and stuffing like i'm, I'm golden nice um but yeah i think i think my sister at one point she was like uh well we mom could always make pozole <laughs> i was like oh, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> i mean we can be pretty untraditional when it comes to thanksgiving um Christmas tends to be like our more traditional type of um, meal where, where our tradition is basically tamales. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll have that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things that my mom doesn't understand about, like, I guess the Anglo like version of doing uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas is that she's like, okay, I understand Thanksgiving is Turkey, but she's like, why do people do Turkey again? For Christmas. On Christmas. Yeah. And then she's true. like, I don't understand. She goes, I can't do that. Uh, and I think part of that too is just because she she's not a big fan of making the turkey. So mm. but yeah. So yeah. So I'm gonna no, yeah, stuffing, man. stuffing and mashed potatoes for nice. sure. You know. That's what's up. Do you do you I get do the, you get together? Oh, what'd you say? No, I think the original like real meal was like fish or something. Hmm. Not it wasn't turkey. I think no, historically. I, probably. So. Yeah. I mean, hey, I don't know, you know. But who would uh, you blame? Like, I mean, who do you think came up with turkey? Marketing, right? You know? Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's your fault, Oscar. Marketing's Always fault. Always Oscar. Always marketing's fault. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys, get, do you guys like, eat early or do you guys, like, eat later in the day? Uh, So my, because I have to, you know, I'm married, got in-laws, so I have to do the two-family thing. Uh, we try to do a two-family thing. Sometimes we'll do, like, yo, you do your family, I'll do my family. Yeah, um, yeah. But... Since we got kids, little ones now, everyone wants to see the little ones. So sure. my family tends to normally do stuff earlier and mm-hmm. my in-laws usually do it later. So okay. it kind of works out. So it's out. good. So it works out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I made a deal with my wife this year. I'm like, yo, you know what? I'm just going to, what we'll do is like, I'll eat a lot at my family's and that way I don't eat too much at your mom's and, you know, vice versa. So that way nobody feels bad. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay. that's. I think it's a good plan. It's a good plan. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it was, you're probably gonna eat a yeah, lot the first time, and then be like, yeah. "Well, I think I could. I think eh, I could eat some to, more." Todavía puedo picar un poquito más. Yeah, well, let me just let me just taquito. burp a yeah, let me just burp a little bit, and then I'll get some in there. You know? Yeah, man. Oh, that's good but, stuff, man. Good stuff. But um, yo, thank you, and I'm thankful for you being on this episode with me uh this Aww. thanksgiving and being my friend and uh sharing time with you so thank you man of course brother definitely thankful for your friendship and for being on the podcast and definitely um it's always a good time 
to to record with you and to uh to see how much i mean you're, you're just consistent man and that's just awesome to see you putting out episodes week to week and if you can't put an extra one out there that's awesome too so um just hopefully you can still do that and, and thankful for the opportunity to be here and yeah man i mean like happy thanksgiving to everybody out there for sure yeah happy thanksgiving everybody gobble 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 <laughs> yeah yo man uh (laughs) thank you thank you thank you so much to everybody listening to the podcast to the all cast to the noir 15 show and you know i want to take this time and opportunity to say thank you and give thanks so first of all thank you to my beautiful wife erica for letting me have this time to do this show because without her i wouldn't be able to share my thoughts with the world and other people And without her support and patience and love, I know I wouldn't be doing this for you guys and for anyone. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love you so much. Uh, To the awesome podcasters who share their time and thoughts with me and have graciously allowed me time on their shows to express my love for movies. uh, I got to give you guys some shout outs. So shout out to Raph from the Geeky Dad, the newest member of the pod squad. Antonio from the Cult Worthy Classic podcast. Josh from Talking Smack podcast. Frank from the Silver Screener podcast, Mark and Harry from When Harry Met Movies podcast, Daniel, George, and the fellas from Not a Strong Star podcast, Santos and Freddie from the 88 Miles Per Hour podcast, Joey from Soul Wizard podcast, and Steve from Everything I Learned from Movies podcast. Thank you guys all so, so much for sharing your time with me and giving me the opportunity to share my time with you on your shows. Uh, to the Pod Squad, man, I love you guys. Seriously, I love you guys. Thank you so much for always being a part of the show. Got to shout out my guy, Gray Scott, my co-host. Without his awesome voice, our show would be so, so much less. So thank you, Gray Scott, Mr. Risk, Special K, The OG, Ruben C, Shona Sean, Raul the Zeltron, and G Sharp. All you guys are amazing, and I'm eternally grateful for being able to capture your voices and share them with the world. Until next time. That's all I got, guys. Thank you. This is your boy, 7C, saying peace out, God bless, and happy Thanksgiving to one and all from the Noah 15 Allcast.